to The Talent Cast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We've instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. here with Kirsten Davidson, head of employer brand at Glassdoor, a little company you might have heard of. Uh, she's previously with Visa and eBay, and she's a lot of knowledge about employer brand. And I asked her to come and talk about transparency. So transparency is obviously something that we're all wrangling with and worried about. Everything's out on the internet. Everything's available to pros- prospects and candidates. And how do you live in a world that's, you know, a glass house? Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, welcome, Christian. Thank you, James. I'm very happy to be here. Fantastic. So let's just start with a big obvious question. Why is transparency a big deal now? Um, because it's here. People ask oh, all the time, Next what question. do I? Yeah. I mean, that's the reality that companies are trying to wrestle with questions about transparency. What do we do? And the answer is you do because it already is transparent and it's how we have been living for a long time um expedia is not new to us anymore the ability to go on and have that magical green screen that used to live on the other side um right and you would call up united or american airlines and behind the you know here it's like tap 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 well here's the flight we have Tap, 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 tap. Here's the other thing. You, and you're like, oh, my God, can I just figure this out myself? And now you can. Yeah, the tap, tap, tap makes everybody's crazy. Yeah, and it's you're like, like oh, you can what, I just, How hard could it be? Can I please crawl through the phone and do your job and just get the information I need? Like, why is it so hard? Why did um, they get a window seat? Yeah, remember with Zillow, when you first could find out how much your neighbor's house was worth or how much yeah. they sold it for. It was, like, scandalous, right? <laughs> And to this day, you meet people, and who doesn't creep on them, right? You find out what yep. their address is, and you're like, you're like, maybe it's your boss. You know, you have to send something to their house, and you're like, oh, how much is our house worth? Um, you Can know, I just it's say still that I've creepy. never actually done that for my boss. Just yeah, well, for the record. Well, of course, yeah, none of us have. officially. None of us have. Um, yeah. and that's just like purely an example, obviously. Sure. Um, you know, but it used to be scandalous, and in some ways, maybe it is, but you get over it fast because you have to because it's out there. Um. And so it's no different with work. I think companies, you know, I've worked in employer comps for a long time, and you have to assume that everything is public. You have to assume that people are going to find out, right? Um, And so it changes the way we communicate. 
it changes how we operate. And I think for the better, because it brings in a level of accountability and it brings in extreme accountability for companies. No longer are employees just sort of these subjects of the whims of executive teams who are only um, concerned about the bottom line. More and more people are realizing the bottom line is the people. The bottom line is engagement. And when companies don't have employees that are engaged, it sends a big message. As consumers, we don't want to buy from companies that we feel like are, are bad on the inside. We all know of stories, um, you know, not naming any names, but let's just suppose there's like a big New York Times or Wall Street Journal article that comes out about a company um, with bad workplace practices. Right? That, that affects investors, it affects customers, it affects employees, it affects everybody. But beyond. So, yeah, deal with it. It's here. Right there? Yeah. Beyond. Oh, I, I dropped off. Yeah. Sorry. Beyond the Wall Street, Wall Street Journal, yeah. New York Times articles, how do people feel that transparency, feel that, that employer brand? Internal or external? Uh, externally. Yeah. So here's something I would say that is interesting. So more and more people are choosing jobs that fit their lifestyle, right? There are certain companies someone might not work for because of what message that sends. If you are a hardcore, like let's say you're a cancer survivor, you might not work for a cigarette company. Um, if you're a deeply outdoorsy person and it's something you care about and you spend all your free time outside, you might think about working for REI because that's what they do and it's who they are. Um, and so it matters a lot how that gets brought to life because let's say you're a company, you know, whatever your mission is, and I've bought into that. If what I find out is internally, that's not true, and that's not at all what I experience, is that you're supportive of that mission and values, I'm going to look somewhere else because I want something that fits with my lifestyle. Because of transparency, we no longer have this clear delineation between our work life and our personal life. Technology has enabled that. You can work from home very easily. Teams are scattered around for all different reasons. And for us to worry, it's not that big of a deal to like, you know, your child walks in the room. You're like, oh, sorry, hold on, <laughs> shut the door. And, you know, and everyone's on the call and they know because we all deal with it. Um, yeah. And so when a company is, I wouldn't say not transparent because it is transparent. When a company is not accountable and they're not holding themselves accountable to who they say they are, that sends a strong message. And when employees don't feel, or job seekers don't feel like that company's experience internally is reflecting what they want from their lives, they go elsewhere. So you're talking about the juxtaposition between what what you say you are and yeah. how people perceive you. Yeah. For a long time, best places to work lists all around are, um, except for glass doors, which is purely the employee experience was sort of the the mother load of what you say you are. Um, but for a long time, those lists have been largely the winners are, it, the organizations look at the degree to which who you say you are is actually representative of what's going on inside, right? So there's half of that submission process that's all the stuff you say you are and you 
how you you know, structure your benefits program, all the different learning opportunities you have. And then the other component is um, a survey that goes out to your employees. And the organization, they get this back and they look at the degree to which this is all true. Um, and that's the winning model. So it's just as much about how much align alignment there's happening, not about what it's aligning to? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. Interesting. Yeah, so, and I mean, here's the reality that not everybody wants to work for every company. So you're not yes. trying to be, every, you know, something that somebody else is. You're trying to be exactly who you are. So that's yeah. where employer brand becomes really important because it has to be authentic. It has to reflect the truth, right? Um, and when you do that well, that allows people to not only be attracted to your company, but I think from a recruiting perspective, even more important, it lets them opt out, right? When people yeah. have clarity about who you are and who you're not, they can kind of reflect on themselves and say, does that support my lifestyle? Does that support my values? Does that support, you know, what I feel like my talents are? And yeah. the more it's you know, the, you know, the more you know, the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And uh, I was going to say something there, and I, you totally blew me away with a NBC response. The um, more you know. Oh, yeah. That, um, so like a, a Taco Bell or a Pepsi or a GM or a Ford, they want 100% of the market. They want to be 100% of whoever, but whatever you buy. Whereas from a employer brand, you just want to focus on the people that you want. You don't want to be 100% loved. You want to be admired by the right people. Yeah. Yeah, I always think about the Google thing where everybody's like, oh, it's always top in the list and everybody loves it. It's like, yeah, but for everybody who loves it, there's probably two, three, ten people who hate it. Yeah. And that's okay. Sure. And yeah, and and it's important to message out to your employees and to prospective employees that this isn't for everybody. But here's who it is for, and be really clear about the behaviors that you expect, the values that you need someone to align with you know people talk a lot about culture fit which just makes like my hair stand on end um because i think it's dangerous because so? culture can feel like you know the person who's fun to work with the person who and it, it's a touchy thing because every company like every family Right? has this internal culture and it's hard to define, it's hard to get, but you know it and you feel it and you either feel like you fit in or you don't. And especially when, when companies are so focused and they need to be on diversity of all different kinds, right? What happens is you present yourself as this place where you're very diverse and we see diverse pictures in the recruiting materials we talk about how we welcome in diversity and then what happens is like you experience this organ rejection right when someone doesn't fit that mold they get like shot out um and I, I i think you have to to build for diversity, you have to ensure that there's the structure and programs in place. And so when culture fit is more about, here's the expectations of leaders, here's the expectations of employees, here's what success, here's how we define success. And then that person 
can determine if this culture is is good for them. I I, I think companies, and a lot of people disagree with me on this point, but I think companies need to hire for competency and for effectiveness according to how they define that and let the candidate determine culture fit, right? Like if, if they feel like that jives for them, if they feel like those are the kinds of behaviors that, that you know, they're supportive of. And for example, there are some companies that are really hard driving, they're competitive, yep. um, you know, people are inspired by competition versus a company that is really about collaboration and teamwork yeah. and um, communication. Like some people just roll their eyes and they're like, Ugh, not my thing. Like I just want to do my work and be better than everybody else. Like yeah. there's, there's a place for that and there's nothing wrong with it. But you yeah. know, when you're clear about that, then people can decide if that's the right culture for them. Mm. Anyway. And it, but it feels like that forever companies felt like you tell us who you are, but we won't tell you who we are and you have to guess. Right. And that transparency opens and allows people to see who you really are and say, could I potentially be a fit there? Right. And like the, the true like interview, right? Where someone's sitting on one side of the desk judging you and you're kind of mm -hmm. tap dancing on the other side, hoping that like they like you. Yeah, it's such kabuki theater. I'm going to show you who I think you want to see, and you're going to like try and peek behind the curtain, and I'm going to kind of wiggle to keep you from peeking too far behind. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's such a dance. You know, it's interesting when you, I mean, we're talking about transparency and, and that, you know, what you're just talking about, and we're seeing that with pay, too, where oh. when you're negotiating your salary, it's always like, you know, when you're on the job seeker end or you're asking for a raise, do your best. And you do as much research as you can, um, and you go as in, you can, and you're the like, because there's no info on that. right, and you're like, well, here's hoping I'm not like coming across like a jerk because I'm asking for way too much, or that I'm doing a disservice to myself because I'm asking for too little. And the more we see transparency coming from companies about pay, the more people are willing to talk about it, the more informed we all are, and then you have clarity about, well, actually, here's why. You know, here's what it means to have that 10,000 more, and here's what we see is maybe the gap. And you can have these helpful conversations. It allows people on the inside or coming in to understand where are the gaps in their learning, where are their gaps in their resume, how can they get there? And so, I think it's a really big piece. We talk a lot about, you know, gender pay and all these issues, but, you know, and we know statistically that women are underpaid, and I'm, I am in no way, um, questioning that but my point is if you don't know how much a man makes in that role you know you're you're doing the best you can but not having transparency puts everyone at a disservice and salaries are kind of that uh, third rail you're it's the thing you you never ever 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 talk about that you can't talk about that hr will come down on you like a hammer if they find out that you're trying to share that information yeah so you're I suggesting think... that that should be more widely discussed yeah, 100%. Because here's the thing, in a couple years, I think it's going to be the norm that it is going to be transparent, right? When we first found out how much your neighbor's house cost, it was super provocative. Yeah. When you find out how much your boss or your peer makes, it's incredibly provocative. And it um, it becomes very personal. Yeah. I think that, and because it hasn't been transparent, no one's had to be accountable for it. And I think that companies would 
pay and think about pay differently if they were assuming it was all going to be public. You know, I was talking with a client a little while ago. Um, they're a startup and um, we're for Glassdoor, right? So they were talking to me about how do we handle reviews and how do we ask for reviews when there's you know, 30 of us and we know exactly who's writing the review. Like, how do we handle that? And how do we handle it around salary? If we're asking them to give salary data for us, um, that's problematic. And I was saying to them, Okay, well, you're ahead of the game because you're just getting started. What if you assume now that in two or three years, I think at the latest, everyone's going to be able to know and access everyone's pay? Assume that's going to be the case and think about your structure for how you compensate now. Wow, that's, I'm just letting that sit. That, that's going to land. Take your time. Yeah. <laughs> just, it, that really throws, I mean, in the last 10 years, everything's been overturned. Everything is new. Everything's yeah. everything that you couldn't do, you can do. But this is really the last big milestone for that, the last big hurdle. It is. And, you know, I think recruiting for a long time has been kind of this transactional role. Yeah. And you're hiring, you're closing the deals. It's, it, you know, and now we're talking about recruiting marketing because, you know, I, I was just at a conference the other day and the guy was like, I hate when people call recruiters marketers. You're not. You're recruiters. And I was like, yeah, but what you do is marketing. Yeah. Ultimately, when you're writing a job description, when you're selling a role, you are, you are selling something. You are selling a culture. You are selling a promise. Um, and so recruiters are becoming these genius marketers, yeah? And something like pay transparency, which is really provocative, that's going to come out and how we think about that and get ahead of it is going to come from the HR organization. More and more, I think that a company's success depends on HR and depends on recruiting. It is no longer a transactional role. It is the heartbeat of a company. And I think recruiting needs to see itself as like the leaders out front. Yep. Helping to bring companies into this new world because this is the group that's facing it head on right now and is having to deal with transparency. I mean, how many recruiters out there haven't had a conversation with someone coming in saying, so I was reading reviews about what's going on in engineering here. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Right. And, uh, and recruiters who stay ahead of this will say, yeah, here's the challenges that we're facing. Um, and here's the kind of person we're looking for because we need to address this. And here's yeah. the problems. And I would love to hear about your experience in helping a company through this and using it to your advantage, using it to help build your organization, not to see it as a flaw, right? Yeah. Every company has issues. And what we need is people who come in eyes wide open and willing to take those on. Yes, the, the person who walks in and three months later is like, wait, you do this? Yeah. And they're shocked and they leave. Yeah, and that happens that, a that's lot. That's a failure. It's a lot of money that walks out the door. Yeah. Is there such thing as too much transparency? If you're really embracing that salaries need to be transparent, where does it end? Should it end? Could it end? Um, that's a good question, and I get, I get asked that a lot. I think it... it the line stops at legal, at legalities. <laughs> okay. I mean, really, right? Yeah. There are things that we need to protect about people that is not transparent. 
um, things that are shared in confidence. Like we have rules and regulations in place to protect people, and and those are important. We don't overstep those boundaries, um, and companies need to, and leaders need to hold themselves accountable to that. Yeah. Um, when a company is making an announcement. Um, you really have to think hard and work with your communications team and legal to think about, let's assume this goes public. What do we do? Right? Um, Because how many of us have read on different sites, the layoffs are coming, someone has resigned because they get leaked an email. Yep. Um, You know, and you don't want to be this organization that has, you know, crazy practices around you know, watching all the emails because that gets out too, that you're a crazy company that watches everyone's emails. (laughs) Um, So you have to go in assuming that everything's going to be public. And because of that, you have to have guardrails around the things that you need to protect. Right. And so that's why I say the line really gets drawn at law, at the legal stuff. But beyond that, I don't think you can err on the side of too much transparency. You know, I was actually just talking. We have a new chief product officer. Um, I actually worked with her a little bit when we were at eBay. And um, she's working on a presentation that she's going to be giving about um, transparency and product and how that's, you know, she's kind of learned in terms of her leadership and because all this because she came on in January and she was sharing a story with me where she said, you know, I came on board and of course I'm meeting with my leaders and um, at first I wanted to keep the group kind of small because it's an easy way to disseminate information and have discussions with my leaders and then, you know, my leaders work with their teams. And no matter how much we did that because of this organization at Glassdoor where we are very transparent as a culture, People are used to having all the information, having access to it, and not being the second or third people to learn. And so she was getting feedback and pushback from the organization that they were feeling not included, that they were feeling like information was being held at the top, and that absolutely wasn't her her motive. Um, but that's kind of how it was seen. And, and she was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Invite every single person in the organization to every meeting? And Guess what she does now? She has a weekly meeting and the entire product organization is invited. And not everyone can make the meeting every single week, but it's a big meeting and she shares the same stuff she would with her leaders. And now everyone is accountable to that and for that. That's the other side to transparency is accountability. Right. And if so anybody misses that meeting, they feel like, well, it's not being hidden because they told everybody yeah, else I just couldn't make it. So that's it's no right. big deal. That's right. Um, you know, when I say accountability, you know, I, I think even when you look at Glassdoor and, you know, one of the reasons I came to Glassdoor is I've done employer brand for a long time and um, I think it's really fascinating. I always say that eight years ago when Glassdoor started, it was, you know, the executive teams coming to, you know, people like me that say, what are you going to do about Glassdoor? I feel like eight years later, it's people in my position inside the organization that go to the leadership and say, what are you going to do about glass door? Yep. And I say all the time, you don't have a glass door problem. You, you have a problem. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like People aren't just sitting around making up stories. Um, and it's reflective of what's going on in the organization. I'm getting off topic here. But, oh, no, I know right. what I'm saying, is that um, there's also then accountability 
for the company to be able to absorb that information, listen to that feedback. You know, here's the thing about transparency too, kind of re regardless of where you sit in the organization, when you have a transparent culture, that means you're going to get feedback. Right? Glassdoor is very, very transparent. I can't tell you how many times someone's come up to me and said, hey, um, do you have just a minute? And I'll think, oh, is this, are you going to give me feedback? <laughs> I know it says, like, all feedback is good, but when you're getting the feedback, yeah. it is not good. It does not feel good to get, quote, unquote, feedback. Um, but that's what it takes for us to grow. Right? Anyone yeah. will tell you that personal, spiritual, physical growth happens in hard times. Yeah. And it happens when we're called um, to be our better selves and when we're held accountable to that. I think that that's what transparency is doing. I think it is a huge service to moving us forward as better people and as better organizations and as better leaders. Yeah, I think if if you've lived just on your intentions to be a good company, every company would be a company. You know, you'd all be four and five stars across the board. But you know, the hard work. Yeah. When I talk to groups, one of the first things I always ask is, you know, because it's usually recruiters and employer brand, right? This is the group I talk Let's to. Feel the group the pinch I'm of part of. Review. And I always say, why are we here? Why do we care about culture? Why does culture matter? And people raise their hands, say, because it makes recruiting easier, um, because it, you know, is important that people feel inspired, and, you know, yes, 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 yes. All of this is true. Here's really why we do it, is because it's a bottom line issue. When people are inspired, it makes a difference in your bottom line. Um, and I share that Glassdoor has done its own research. And a lot of companies have done this, and it comes out fairly similar. But we, over the last eight years, do our best places to work list. And what we did was we looked at all the public companies who've been on that list over the eight years. And we said, okay, if you had just invested in those versus the S&P, how would your stock and portfolio have performed? And we looked at kind of portfolios all different ways. If you had just invested in the ones at the beginning and then any ones that fall up, fell off, you let off, you know, all, all these different ways. And what we found is that on average, the companies with the highest rated, so where their employees had rated them the highest, that they on average outperformed the S&P by 122%. Conversely, when we looked at the lowest performing companies on Glassdoor from a ratings perspective, they underperformed by an average of 30%. And the reason I share that is because um, we don't do culture. Companies don't care about culture because um, they're virtuous and because they just, you know, for the good of the people. They do it because they realize it is the, one of the number one things that impacts their bottom line. Yeah. Period. That's why you care about culture. That's why you do this work um, because it improves the company's bottom line and that's where shareholders win. Yeah. That's why yeah, I mean, the company does everything they do, right? And, exactly. and, and that's the story there. So I, I'm going to paraphrase somebody, and I've already blanked on who had said it, but that there's no such thing as B2B marketing and B2C marketing. It's all person-to-person right. -person yeah. marketing. That's really what it's about. P2P. And that, yeah, P2P. Uh, but that what you're dealing with is instead of talking about and thinking about as companies as entities, you're thinking about them as groups of individual people. And who have experiences and opinions and feelings and reactions. And if you can hire and inspire the right people, amazing things happen, yeah. regardless of your 
whatever the brand you are. You know, it's, it's about the people inside and that you're trying to pull out that experience and pull out those opinions and aggregate them in such a way that it connects it to the brand. Absolutely. Yeah. And we also see, and so, you know, um, when we look at the highest performing, we have a chief economist on staff here and he does a lot of research and kind of looking at our trends and pulling all the data with our data science team and just finding what those insights are. And so one of the things the team was looking at is what truly drives employee satisfaction. So when you look at those companies that outperform, what are the similarities? What are the themes there? And um, the number one thing that drove, that drives employee satisfaction is a connection to the mission and values. Um, and I think a lot about that one because, you know, I say that, you know, companies aren't just altruistic because they want, you know, and they want people to feel good. <laughs> That's important, but it's important because of the bottom line. But where I think the culture and values really comes into play and the way to think about it here is that your product stands for something, your brand stands for something. And your internal culture needs to reflect those values. And that's why people join, right? And, and, and that's where the magic happens. We talk about employer brand. Um, a big piece is articulating how those brand attributes come to life in the employee experience and how the employee experience, um, you know, how, how your experience as an employee aligns with the reason your customers choose you, the reason your partners choose you, um, you know, that you feel but how can they choose you if you don't, they don't know your mission and you don't yeah. articulate your mission and if you don't embody and own that mission and people can't see it. No, you don't. <laughs> That's the companies that don't do as well. Yeah. You know, you think of like the big brands, you know exactly what they stand for. I mean, any of them, right? And, and they tell you over and over and they may shift it over time a little bit. Um, but you know what they stand for, and that's a reason you choose that brand. It's also a reason you don't, right? And their advertising aligns with it. Um, the employee experience should align with it. And all the way through, you're looking for people who want to be part of that brand and part of those mission and your mission in the world. Um, you know, mission and values isn't always just kind of this noble save the world mission. It might not be yeah. that. It might be the mission to, 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 you know, make everyone rich, you know, yeah. and then your employees that your employee experience should be about, you know, financial wealth. Yeah. I mean, the only mission I ever, I ever read that made sense to me was Pepsi's and it's beat Coke. That's a mission. They all, or like every piece of Pepsi is about beat Coke. And I'm yeah. like, okay, that's, that's clear. I get it. Yeah, and I'll bet you as a Pepsi employee, you don't walk in with a Diet Coke in your hand. No. <laughs> yeah. See, now I'm a big Diet Coke proponent, so that might be prob problematic. But, you know, yeah. much to my husband's chagrin, you know, I have to, like, hide it, basically. But anyway. <laughs> a two-soda family. <laughs> no, he just, you know, soda thing, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I live in San Francisco. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um. Those are most of the questions I had. I think this has really been illuminating about how transparency impacts the recruiting side, the talent side, and then you're touching on some of the retention side. Mm -hmm. Are there any good, bad, ugly stories you can share to kind of just either for a chuckle or, you know, that really kind of underline what you're talking about? Yes. 
<laughs> I don't want to make yes. anyone you look would... bad, and they're no, funny. I have a lot of stories. Um, you know, I'll talk about one, and I will be very transparent, um, that we are experiencing Glassdoor. And the reason I share that is because it's all public. <laughs> you can go <laughs> on the site and read about it. Um, but in our sales organization, that, that there were some changes made to quotas and a um, couple of other things, and, and the team was was really frustrated by it and it was a change as part of we're a growing organization right in the last year where we've gone from two offices to six and some of those are global we more than doubled in size in a single year so anyone recruiting knows that that gets like the wheels start getting a little wobbly on the bus yeah. when you're going at that kind of a speed um but but people went to Glassdoor and started writing a lot of reviews and it was the first time in the organization's eight years that we saw negative reviews. Um, and so because that's public and because we're growing at the rate we are, we've got to keep hiring. And for us, one of the biggest pieces of our values is being a great place to work. We're, our whole mission is helping people find a job at a company they love. And so when people started to have this experience of feeling like, I don't feel like I love this company or I don't feel like the experience I'm having is about being loved. Um, there is kind of this cognitive dissonance. And so our leadership, you know, has addressed it, has talked to people, has, there's been a lot of communication internally. There's been some pivoting internally. Um, and it's been work. I think that Glassdoor included companies have to respond differently and faster and, listen in a different way because you're being held accountable publicly and that's not just like a reputation thing or like I don't, I don't want anyone to talk about something that's bad it really has an impact as you're looking to hire again you know I think the recruiting team need you know the opportunity there is to internalize some of what people are saying and as we're hiring to say listen this can be tough you know, here's what it takes. Here's the kind of person we're looking for. Here is, you know, what we expect. And um, here's what your experience is going to be. And we know that's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helped us hire better. I think it's helped us be more true. And it's helped us become a better organization. Um, you know, and most companies deal with this in some way on Glassdoor. Yeah. So if Glassdoor is affected by the Glassdoor effect, yeah. how often do you guys or the leadership look at the ratings and look at the scores? Is this an everyday thing? Every yeah, it's excessive. Thing, every quarter? Uh -huh. oh, no, it was every single day. Wow. Yeah. You know who else reads it every single day is Mark Benioff, Salesforce. <laughs> yeah. Every day. You know, I mean, one of his very, very top um, executive goals and objectives is culture. 100%. So bet he's involved. You know, I actually, I say to people a lot, they say, where do we start with employer brand? Like, how do we get our executive teams on board? And I'll tell you, it's tough. Yeah. If your yeah. executive team is not bought in, you know, you have to go to the data and you make the case from a financial perspective. But I also say, I find that sometimes the number one step, like where companies start to put their toe in the water on this work and culture work and where they start to believe it is is when the CEO sees their CEO score. It's <laughs> very personal. Now, now it's personal. Yeah. Um, 
CEOs generally are fairly competitive men and women and um, have high expectations for themselves. And when they see a 70, 60, 50 um, score, you better believe they get engaged and you better believe they're concerned about what's going on in the organization because they know that investors are looking at this. They know that customers are looking at this, that it reflects on them personally because they're the leader of this organization. They're the ones with the ability to make the changes. And the great leaders are doing exactly that. Right? We have a customer that we're working with that 50% um, um, rating on the CEO. And she said, this is not okay with me. Massive global organization. They have beefed up their employer branding team. They've gotten really, really precise in the analytics of, from a recruiting standpoint, um, from a HR learning development standpoint, and they have a massive global initiative against this. Um, that's not just because how, you know, obviously that's not just a, an ego-driven thing by any means, but, it's, but it, it was a flashpoint. And the organization to say, wow, we need to address this immediately because this is going to make or break our company, right? So that's sometimes where you can start. Just, hey, I don't know if you saw this. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> you might, you might want to look that's, at this. I don't know if I want to be in the room in those conversations. Yeah, it happens. Hey, it's out there. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> All right. I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us and, and being our first guest. Thanks for having me. All right, and I'm going to end this this way. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any feedback, if you have any comments, I'm on Twitter at the War for Talent, or just go to thetalentcast.com and uh, you know find us, yell at, yell at us, uh, complain at us, whatever it is. Thanks, everybody.